0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hey, fellas, the journey continues, okay? That's number 10. All right, that's number 10. Now, this is a resilient bunch. Sometimes you try to prove how resilient you are, okay, in the last fourth quarter there, okay? But. Take care of our business, and that's what we did today. Defensively, two takeaways, J.O.K. and Duran. Three sacks, two by the captain, number
2: 99. I love, man, I love each and every one of y'all, man. Let's just keep going. Ba- Come on, man. Let's just keep going, man. This is one of, we went 1-0 no this week, so, man, let's just keep it going, baby. Get to the playoffs. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah.
1: 27 to 42, 368 yeah. yards, oh, and three, wow. three touchdowns. Oh, wow. Brown's record, 265 oh, wow. yards. Oh, wow. and three, three oh, wow. 11 catches, hey, two touchdowns by number two. Hey, man. Keep going, want to know every week, bro. When we play our brand of football, nobody could play with us, man. Say that. I love you, boys. Good teams win on Sunday, like I said, and turn around and win on Thursday. Good teams win on Sunday, turn around, and win on Thursday. Now, you win on Thursday, you've earned that second season. That's what's, that's what's at stake right now. You win on Thursday, you earn it. You grab that ticket, okay? So that's what's in front of us. But, it's, hey, it's time to go to work, and that thing is right there for us to go grab. You know how we're going to do it? By going 1-0 on yep. Thursday night. Team on three. One, two, three. <laughs>
3: What's up and welcome in everybody. Merry Christmas Eve. This is the Immediate Reaction Podcast of the Browns. Uh, listen, they're 10-5. and 5. They get a 36-22 win over the Houston Texans down in Houston. Andrew Spade's with me. We want to go through some of our immediate thoughts, the details of this game. And on the surface, there's quite a bit to talk about, obviously, because records were broken, injuries were immediate, and there's quite a few things to break down. But what we should start with, Andrew, is that with two games remaining, the Browns are ten and five, and that's just uh, that's pretty damn cool for what they've overcome this year. And I, I firmly cemented on the side of this is the most fun Browns team I've seen since they've come back. Just all of the factors that play into how they get to ten and five is uh, is really special stuff here, man.
4: Yes, it is. It is absolutely incredible. I I said on the OBR post game show, there's a feeling. Now that I'm kind of, I'm not expecting it every week, but it it ha- it has happened for the past few weeks where you just kind of got to sit back and laugh, right? Because the stuff they're doing, the stuff you're seeing, you you just kind of can't believe your eyes. It's it's one thing for Joe Flacco to be a functional quarterback for them after coming off the couch, which he has been the past three weeks. Like we we talked about up and down, and I think I had said last week that I thought that this had a chance to be his his best game yet, but. I didn't have this in mind, Jake. So like the fact that they go from feeling like post Watson shoulder injury bombshell, that they are essentially dead in the water, hitting a revolving door of quarterbacks, probably through the rest of the season to putting Flacco on the bench because they're beating a playoff contending team in their building so badly. You, you have to look at the big picture with this stuff because it is impossible to overstate how different this is, not from where we were in August. We're way off the rails from August, but I'm talking about from where we were a month ago.
3: You know, when it gets to 36 to seven, and I don't think you, you know, step back and say this is too easy, but you can see how the rhythm for them is putting them in this position of confidence. I think is the thing that stands out for me is they're expecting to make these plays and do these things. And Given all the things that they've overcome, I mean, that's that's pretty unique amount of belief that they've put in themselves to go on the road and take care of business, because we'll talk about both sides of the ball in a minute. The general vibe, even to overcome 14 nothing, a kickoff return allowed, and then your kicker gets hurt trying to chase it down. And, you know, I'm sure you like me and you kind of feel that right. The here we go sort of stuff. And they didn't blink. Like they didn't blink, man, and they
4: increasingly, I'm not feeling it. That's the crazy thing about the yeah. season. They're breaking these in real time. They are breaking these long habits because when it happened, I, my first thought wasn't to catastrophize. It was, I wonder how they figure this out.
3: Yeah, they're they're problem solving on the fly. Another game of Flacco throwing 42 times, so 40 plus on every start is what I'm seeing here uh, for unreal. Flacco, which is yeah, it's unreal. Not like they ran it again. <laughs> I don't I don't I don't know what to tell you folks. I mean, they didn't run it well once again. They only ran for uh, they ran 75 plays. They ran for 54 yards. So that continues to be a problem for them that they have to overcome like they're squarely dropping the burden on Flacco's right arm, right, and expecting him even at times Andrew to drift and extend and sometimes get out of the pocket. The distribution mm-hmm. of targets is a phenomenal thing right now like 15 Uh, Amari Cooper targets nine David and Joku targets and then four for Elijah Moore and then you kind of work into the twos and then the running backs get a target here and there it's although it's a burden that's heavy on the passing game because I want to start there you still like feel they can find a way to maneuver this right we haven't seen them play a team quite yet who can really cripple them throwing the football to the point that their complete and utter inability to run it right now is a massive liability in that sense but for now, again, as we have two games remaining, the Jets are going to present some challenges. Like, they're going to come into Cleveland on a Thursday night, and they play defense, right? It's going to be a defensive game. But, you know, with how well Flacco seems to be delivering timing, I mean, you're talking about several just fantastic placement-type throws. I mean, Andrew, it's it's not – like I've said with Flacco in our in our chat because there's some people that are pushing one side or the other. This is the greatest quarterback since the return – this is a uh, you know, typical Joe, and I understand both sides of that, but to me, the thing that I think he's done, because the story isn't finished, the thing that I think he's done more than anything is raise the ceiling. He's raised the ceiling of where this team can go, and I think, to me, that's the most exciting thing. There are going to still be mistakes. We saw two interceptions. Listen, the, the, the second one wouldn't have happened. They would have kicked a field goal there under normal circumstances, obviously, and then The first one is the type of interception I prefer, which is a 50-yard down throw, field throw, where you're not getting crippled by a return of said said interception. But there's still going to be some of those Flacco throws. But the thing that I feel fairly confident in saying, it's not that DTR couldn't do some things that could get the Browns to certain places. Flacco takes this offense from an understanding, a knowledge, where to throw, when to throw, how to throw he takes them to a level that they don't have on the roster. And that's why the playoff thing that's sitting here is really an, an exciting thing, Andrew, because I think if we were talking about a continuation of Dorian, you're still talking about how limited that ceiling could be. I think the potential ceiling with Flacco has a route to scoring serious points in some ballgames in the playoffs.
4: Yes, I agree with that. And I think that combined with who he is as a person, as a, as a leader in in the huddle, in the locker room, confidence that guys obviously have in him. The fact that Amari Cooper broke the single game receiving record with a quarterback who was not on the roster at the beginning of November is something that feels like a trivia question in two decades, right? Because you expect it with a quarterback that he's been building chemistry with for for over a year, such as Deshaun Watson. You never expect that type of play from a quarterback that, that has joined the team so recently. I think that exact phenomenon is a testament to who he is and the way that he works with these guys I don't think I've said this before not every quarterback in his position could have walked into this team in this situation and done what he's doing and I think that's the thing he deserves the most credit for the play on the field as you said there will be ups there will be downs but to to have this sort of even baseline at this point this late in the year you can kind of compare it a little bit to what happened with Baker Mayfield. I know he's in, in the process of uh, leading a very impressive uh, Tampa team right now against the Jaguars. Last year, he, he gets cut by the Panthers, ends up in L.A., has that incredible performance on a short week, and then kind of stinks up the joint from there, right? It The the Flacco thing, the crazy thing about the Flacco thing is, is exactly what you said, which is it feels like it can keep going. It can keep improving. They're building something here. This, this is not just surviving. This is not trying to find a way week to week. This is taking what you learn week to week and finding new ways to attack teams, new ways to get the ball to your playmakers. The, the fact that you, you mentioned the target distribution is so important because it isn't just, even though Cooper sets the record, we, we talked for the entire first half of the year about where is Jordan Akins? All of a sudden you're seeing Jordan Akins catch a few balls. You're seeing Cedric Tillman come alive. Guys that were not really a part of this offense early on are now a part of this offense because I think the offense, the passing game at least, is being run at a level that it has not been consistently run at so far this year. It's it's really something to see. So yeah, I agree with you. Ceiling-wise, I'm not, as we have been saying, I'm not putting a cap on it because I think he has as many road playoff wins as any other quarterback in the league. He's tied with Tom Brady. That plus this defense means that I'm not worried about them going and winning anywhere in, in, in January.
3: You know, as, as he played a couple games, people start to bring up the name Nick Foles, right? Obviously, the Foles run is the most famous of these scenarios where he arrives late in the season in 2018 and comes in and plays. I don't know how many regular season games he played, Andrew. Maybe we could figure that out on the fly here. But he steps in late in the year for uh, I think it was the Rams game there week 14. So he played 14, 15 and 16 and put together some really good games stepping in for wins he threw for 471 his first start four touchdowns the 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 season closer he threw for uh 221 28 of 33 hyper efficient 85 completion percentage like there's no doubt he can handle these things right he can come into these moments and handle these things in a way that give the team a chance in the same way Foles did right and you're riding a hot defense so that takes its Self in the direction of a belief like I think when I heard the full stuff I rolled my eyes is kind of what I'm getting at originally because nobody believes that and then you look at okay if you go like look at the games Foles was putting together in the playoff run and the Super Bowl run you know for for Philly there's no doubt that he could do some of the same things here with the Browns right like the same things Flacco could put together at the end of a season where yep the the games you know they're not leaning on him entirely but Look at the playoff games that he put together in those three. I mean, you're talking about a a 246, but the defense plays well. It's 15-10, but then he plays Minnesota and New England and puts together 350-yard games, throwing 33 and 43 times. So I just think that it's it's silly of us to sit here and say, and I I was wrong about this at first, but I needed to see more proof that he can't do those sorts of things, and he can. So if the defense is going to do what the defense does, which, again, in this game, if you look at just specifically – the defense did through three quarters, Andrew, because I think that's the barometer for what you know actually happened. Through halftime, they only gave up 75 yards to the Texans. I, I kind of don't have it split through three quarters, but in the third quarter, they only gave up 23 more. So you're only giving up 300 yards in the right. matter of the uh, important parts of this game. Uh, you're only giving up 100 yards through the three quarters of this game. Again, they were dominant. You you know, I think Davis Mills comes in at the end of this thing, Andrew, and throws for 100 yards, 150 yards in the fourth quarter. Yeah, that's what it is. So, you know, to me, that those are nonsense yards against backups, right? So the, I don't right. care about the Texans ultimately going for 250. The Browns throttled them. Case Keenum had nowhere to go. Ultimately, it's, it's several different occasions, it was just the officiating crew saving, mm. saving them. So I, I think we have to talk about, we'll get back to offense in a minute. We mm-hmm. have to talk about the defense kind of manifesting itself once again and what we wanted to see them do, which was put together a strong performance on the road.
4: You know what I mean? Totally. I think if I think I did the math on on this correctly. I believe if you assume a healthy kicker, so they're not going for it on those two long drives in the second half, and they do get a, a, a kick at the end of the half instead of that pick in the end zone, I think the, the adjusted score is like 31 points for the offense. So they, yeah. they actually end up overperforming it because those two touchdown drives wouldn't have been touchdown drives because they, I think they went for it on fourth twice on yeah. each of those drives. So that's probably not going to happen if you've got a big lead on the road. You're going to settle for those field goals. On the defensive side, you take away that early touchdown with the kick return. We'll talk about the special teams a little bit at some point, I'm sure. And then you, you, you wipe off whatever this garbage time stuff was. I think essentially the adjusted score is like 31 zip. That's the kind of game it felt like. And so you end up 36-22. It's still a 14-point margin. But I think if the kicker's healthy, you score a little bit less. But if the if the Davis Mills thing doesn't happen and, and the Browns aren't pulling their starters with, what, 10 minutes? Was it 10, 8 minutes, something like that? It was almost – it was probably a drive early, Jake, in, in retrospect. I think they probably needed to get one more three-and-out there from the Texans and then turn it over to the backups on offense. But, the you know – this is where not being able to run the ball really bites him in the butt. But as far as the defensive performance, I think this was the most comprehensive defensive performance that we have seen this defense produce since probably the Arizona Clayton Toon game, if I'm off the top of my head. And and I think hap- it happening on the road in a game where you didn't get a huge contribution from Miles Garrett, but and then Martin Emerson leaves injured is really, really impressive because I think there was, again some in-game adversity that they faced that they just powered right through. And I think, to me, the avatar of the defense right now, the guy that you got to talk about is Jeremiah because it koromoa because it, the defense is starting to run through him a little bit, not in the sense that he's making all of the plays. Obviously, the secondary is great. The front is great. But when they need moments, when they have an opportunity to kind of put their foot on the throat a little bit, he's usually involved in those plays any sort of tackle for loss, he's back there somewhere, either forcing it or actually wrapping it up. He obviously comes up with an interception today. I just think he has evolved so much within this season into a true difference-making linebacker. I can't say enough about it.
3: Yeah, he's got to be a big part of their future. However they get that done, it's got to happen. He's a part of the communication system now they have on defense. We saw that today. The uptick in snaps will be there. It's going to get a little murky because of the fourth quarter scenarios, but I throw all of it out. I mean, the, like I said, the backups are in there playing with the ones at p- important positions. So if you then take those guys out, I respect Mike Forty does a lot of different things for them, but he's not a corner. He's just not an NFL corner that we should take very seriously. And I don't mean that to be harsh. He does great things on specials. He's just um, a guy teams pick on. Like they're holding them to a hundred yards, like right at a hundred yards. So I mean, as far as the what what do you grade out the defense? How do you feel about them? I'm more confident in that group than I've ever been. They they know what they are. They know how to attack teams. We'll see – how they go about the jets. I would imagine they will be just as aggressive. And I think that that's a part of obviously who they are, their identity, but like, I just, I think that's how they want to attack some of these teams with limited weapons. You know what I'm saying? Like they want to make those quarterbacks so uncomfortable that they have to sit in and process. And, you know, you're not going to throw quick routes on these guys. Like the, the, the Browns are jumping too many of these things in a way and funneling them to people. And I thought Ronnie Hickman was really good again today to the point where it's like he had that open field tackle on Singletary where it's like if he doesn't yes. get him down yes. right there, that's a touchdown. There's just a lot to like. Now we have to peel it back. Like Taki Taki had seven tackles to lead the defense. JOK had six with his interception. Hickman had six. Bell had five. It works on and on. Like the sack numbers, you get two from Zadarius, You get one from Alex Wright. Those are baseline. But we'll talk through in the coming days what the film tells us about how they actually perform collectively so we can peel back the the best performers. But on the surface, it's everything we could have hoped for Andrew. And I do think the conversation about did Kevin pull them out too soon is fair, right? Like it's, they're they're eager. They know Thursday is looming. And I think the Jets did a little bit of it, too, because the Jets Agreed. were up, what, 27, seven on their end. And, and yep. it looks like they, they, they had to kick a field goal to win it. Both teams are very cognizant that we're flying home tonight. Then we're going to Christmas with our families. We'll get barely right. any Monday time, one practice, and then we're doing walkthroughs and it's a game. So I understood when it's 36 to seven, getting those guys out. You would just recover the first onside kick. There it changes everything. That's a great but, point. Yeah, and like,
4: it's, it is absolutely nitpicking and second guessing. No doubt about it.
3: Yeah. So, and again, I don't. I don't I understand people want to feel. We all want those huge wins, right? We all want them to 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 to, to take the lid off and win forty two to seven or something. I'm I'm with it. I just when they're as depleted as they are as a group, like those backups being backups, you know, into the front line, it's just going to happen. So I'm just you know they came out with them, it was everything we wanted from the perspective of we wanted them to go down and win comfortably. And they got the guys that mattered. They, they did suck that they had to come back out. That part stunk, right? Especially you saw like Zadarius go down late and you're like, Oh God, you know, like I think that was a little bit of an acting job, but uh, I, I do think you get nervous for that stuff, but they certainly know that the most important thing in the bottom line here is winning. And those guys went back out for one more series. But as far as a confidence builder, a reduced number of total snaps for the game feeling really good about yourselves and very confident going into, you know, going into the, to, to this Thursday night game where they're above 99%, Andrew, they're above 99% and they have a home game to clinch a playoff spot. And potentially we'll see what happens, right? We'll see what happens. Uh, you know, with this San Francisco Baltimore game on Monday night, a chance really to at that moment, like, like, think about this, man. The Dolphins are in a good spot to get a win. Dolphins could be feeling really confident. If the Baltimore Ravens lose, you could win Thursday and think to yourself, if the Ravens lose Sunday after we win, we lead the division with one game left to go against a Bengals team that still they might be fighting, they might not. We'll see, but like just just playing week 18 for a chance to win the division would be would be nuts. So I, I think it's an ex, it's just such an exciting outcome today to build toward Thursday, which is going to be a really raucous in, environment, man.
4: Yeah, Thursday's going to be great. I cannot wait. I'm already fully excited for that, and still basking in this one. It's a, a you you kind of talked about it last week. the The schedule here is is when you're experiencing it. You, we didn't really think too much of it when the schedule came out, but but now that you're living it, it's like, man. So so we just watch football all weekend and then the browns win against the Texans and then we've got basically a holiday times and then the browns are right on TV again like that's how it's going to feel it's it's really crazy and you're absolutely right there's the, the the sky is the I hope the weather's good Thursday night because the sky is the limit for for the environment that they can be playing in in that in that and it's it becomes a sort of national celebration for what this team has accomplished if they continue to take care of business because it can it can absolutely just be a night where they're getting the sort of respect that for large portions of the season, they were not receiving because people were writing them off for one reason or another. So bring it on. I think we all deserve it to be perfectly honest with you. I think we deserve to, to have that sort of an enjoyable situation. And I'm, I'm not going to spend any time thinking about the, the negative case. I'm just going to plan for a party on Thursday night. The other thing Jake on that topic that I think is worth talking about is you mentioned earlier, the AFC South, is all of a sudden a dogfight between a bunch of teams that don't want to win. The Falcons beat the Colts comprehensively today. the uh, The Jaguars are currently losing twenty seven to nothing to the Buccaneers, and then obviously the Texans lose to the Browns. So you, you've got right now you've got three teams tied at eight and seven. I only bring this up in so far as if the Browns don't end up winning the division, they're the five seed. I think now beyond. To a large extent, they would it would take something <laughs> really dramatic for that to change, right? So they're yeah. the five seed if they don't win the division, and that five seed is is very likely now going to be playing that AFC South winner, whomever it is—Indianapolis, Houston, Jacksonville—and the Browns are three and zero against those three teams, and none of them are playing good football right now. So, like, I'm not trying to look ahead too much, but the stars are aligning in a way where the Browns are going to have a either a home playoff game because they won the division or they're going to have a road playoff game against an AFC South team that's coming in at like nine and eight. that's That's just the truth of the matter.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data
3: Again, create that account, redeem the code OBR for $20 off. You can do so at GameTime.co. It is not .com, it is GameTime.co, but I would suggest downloading that app, taking advantage of the $20 off coupon, using the promo code OBR, download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Yeah, none of those teams, either NFC or AFC South, apparently are just taking football very seriously this year, right? There are a bunch of seven and eights and eight and sevens at this mm-hmm. point. So yep. um yeah getting one of those teams as the five seed is not at all a bad outcome because you're going to two weather controlled environments, domes, or you're playing down in Jacksonville where it's obviously going to be nice uh, for the most part too. So there's right. that element to it as well. Um yeah, I think listen, as far as like understanding the playoff seating, I haven't dug too deep. You know, the teams that are kind of looming there for stealing the five seed the bills are nine and six they're hanging around right and that's kind of it i mean denver can get to eight and seven i i, I get, I get like, like the nine and six bills are the only team looming andrew and i don't know who the bills have a really they have miami last they have new england Patriots and miami, miami. so yeah. those two teams the, the loser of that scenario if the browns don't win thursday is where it's a serious threat because they the browns have to win one of the next two to lock in that five seed, essentially, right? I, I think that's from our understanding of what we've done. That put them at six losses. They would be in that spot. If they have the tiebreaker over the Bills, I, I think they, the Dolphins one's interesting. We haven't really gone that deep into it. I know we kind of laid out a way in which the, the Bills could be playing the Dolphins week 18. We'll deal with that later. Nonetheless, the Browns are in a good position to do one of two things. Pretty firmly entrenched into the five seed if they take care of business Thursday night and an outside shot here to still win the division and a, and a very real shot still, as we sit here and record this on, on Sunday, you know, uh, around five six o'clock to be the one seed is very much still in play. Right. it's not, you know, those paths are slim, but it's not crazy when you look at what has to happen to get there. And, and again, like the Browns have currently sitting, I know other teams have to play, but is that game wrapped up, Andrew, they have the second best record in the AFC. That's right. 15 games. That's right. That's so cool. Yeah. It's really right. cool. And
4: and it's I think the reason I bring up the AFC South situation is because it's a reminder that the playoffs are just a completely different animal and it comes down to the matchup that you have that week. And so if the if the Browns end up in that wild card position of, of five, I like their matchup against any of those three teams, and now you're a divisional round team that potentially has not won or has not lost a game since they lost in LA, potentially coming into somebody else's house for the divisional round it it just i i think what i i'm trying to point towards here is how how the there's not a place where this has to end and i think the schedule has aligned really well for them down the stretch obviously missing stroud today what happens on thursday night against the jets team that that did come back and beat the commanders but is eliminated from the playoffs and then we'll see where Cincinnati's at, but it just, it continues to break in such a way that they can keep doing what they have been doing, which is focusing on that week. There's none of these weeks that feel insurmountable. And so you just try and keep going one and oh, and it keeps working. So that's, that's where I'm at with it. It does feel very exciting to be talking about these sorts of things. And I'm not, it's not that I want to get carried away and start talking about the divisional round of the playoffs tomorrow, because you don't want to count your chickens before they're hatched. But it is just to point out that I think the the point that you made that's the most true is the AFC is all kind of bunched up and the Browns are bunched up with those other teams at the top. They are not in a second tier in my mind yeah. at all. And, it, and it's because the defense is playing as well as they are playing and they have found something on offense in the passing game. And that's, that is a recipe to win football games in the playoffs. Bingo. Especially
3: that finding the passing game stuff. If you want one thing to be working better than the other, Finding ways to throw for three hundred passing yards is certainly a. Before we split, though, we have to talk about Amari Cooper, which is, I mean, eleven catches on fifteen targets, two sixty five, two touchdowns, seventy five yard long touchdown there, uh, early in the second quarter, starts off the game with a huge catch. Um, I just kind of want to, <laughs> we're gonna heap praise on him because. That's what you do when a guy breaks the franchise record. I didn't think anybody would ever break Josh's 261 he had against the Jags. What was that, 14 or 13? I think it was 14. Um, but this is uh, – it was special. Like, there's so many moments where tight roping balls along the sideline, you know, that that one um, – I think it was a fourth down catch. Mm-hmm. He kind of kind of catches it out away from his frame. Huge catch to get – I think they put themselves at 28-7 after that. Drive right. culminated in another score. And Joe, we should commend Joe, some of the placement on those. And Joe, like timing to the flat stuff, like taking mm-hmm. advantage of weaknesses in the coverage that the Houston like to throw out there. But, but man, like that's a reminder from Amari, how good he still is. Yes. And these types of games, his ability to be available for all of these games. He's had a couple rough ones in there this year, but I have people are so quick to want to write him off for next year. I I want nothing to do of of this wide receiver group without him involved next year, unless there's some gigantic clear upgrade, like, and I don't know that there are very many available because wide receivers don't shift locations very often. The good ones getting him for a fifth round pick the production he's given them in two years, the first Browns receiver with back-to-back thousand yard, you know, seasons, we're just telling you like, like round of applause to Amari Cooper. Like th- there's Absolutely. nothing else to say other than like you're you've delivered times a thousand of what we could have even expected. So many veteran receivers have come here Andrew and laid eggs and just been horrible influences. He's he's the uh perfect wide receiver for what they needed, a head down work hard guy, lead by example, which honestly goes parallel with how Nick treats his everyday work and it's a large thing that miles does too he's not massively vocal david can at times he's grown into being more vocal but david was the same way they could not have found a better fit for what they needed in a a top end wide receiver and him to get this kind of special day the moment he had putting his arm around kevin which ultimately he came back out and got a chance to break that record that was pretty cool right i mean a a byproduct of the game getting closer but pretty cool like I couldn't be happier for Amari Cooper, man. I I don't know if there's like some other contract. I'm not even thinking about that stuff. I just want to be like, this is a special player who's done special things when he could have been really pouty about going to a dysfunctional Browns franchise after being with the Cowboys. And he did nothing but come in and be a professional, show up every single week and put up two stellar seasons. And I'm really excited for him to get another run at the playoffs, like really excited for that for him.
4: It's a great way to say it, Jake. Yeah, you hit all the high points there. He said post game that he felt like he could get three hundred. He was talking to Kevin about three hundred, not about he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't aware of the single game franchise record. Why would he be, right? Yeah. Exactly. But but he was thinking about how just where he could go in the big picture because of how easy it was for him today. And I, I there was a moment in the I, I think it was probably late first quarter where they had a drive that started like run run and it, it was like boy they they can i think they can just kind of get whatever they want passing i mean we've talked some of these games jake about the browns have been up against it with in-game injuries the mm-hmm. texans had that happen to them today jonathan yeah. greenard goes out like first series and then jimmy ward is out stephen, stephen nelson, nelson was in and out of the lineup yeah. so like three of their big contributors veteran contributors on defense all left in the first quarter and you felt it you felt it and, and there was a point where I, I, I said that they, boy, they could get a little bit more of what they want throwing the ball. And I think the next player, this play after that was the 75 yarder. So, yep. uh, and then it was kind of the floodgates were open because then Kevin was like, well, I, I'd love not to call another run until the fourth quarter. Thanks for asking. So it,
3: <laughs> yeah, it, a, it, I found myself thinking like, okay, another play action. All right. Yeah, right. Oh, another one. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Okay.
3: He had that gun play action where he, uh, they did the same thing they did last week, where he's, he's, you know, the fake comes across the face, the backside guard pulls, and it got a little condensed. They boxed him in and he yes. stepped up and threw that fade away over the middle to Cooper. And sort I'm of like, jump ball, yeah. The, okay, they're rolling. Yeah. Like, they yeah, yeah, know yeah, yeah. exactly where to be. They know exactly what they're going up against. Like. And mm-hmm. then in the fourth quarter, when they came back out for that final possession, and it was clear Flacco saw it, he even canned the first play call. Because he saw the 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 sim pressure walked into the line. He's like, I know they're coming after me. And just delivers a seed on the sideline to the one location that Stingley can't undercut the, uh, the basic, which is like a 10-yard out. It's a first down out. So if it's third and seven, you're running seven to eight. You know, rolling mm-hmm. seven to eight. And it was so good. Like, so good. Those are throws that playoff teams make. The ball over the middle to Njoku for that touchdown that's placed in a Incredible. shoebox incredible like, i mean again i know that joe's like showing two interceptions here but i mean just a little like Marquise goodwin you can try to fight for the ball a little bit you're allowed yeah, you're entitled you know?
4: you're entitled yeah
3: so just a thought there but i i mean again those are the interceptions i don't mind the second one was just a halftime
4: whatever you know we yeah can't kick they would have kicked goal. they would have kicked that for a field goal so no i you're absolutely right His ball placement was on fire today you said it earlier there will be ups and downs he's not going to he has not made his last mistake of this run. There's no doubt about that, but I think he's got more of these throws in him. And the, the, there's a legitimate chemistry that he's developing with Amari Cooper. That is incredible to see given the, the length of their play playing relationship. And, and so, you know, you felt when he first started, you felt like, Oh, well, this might be the Elijah Moore show because he's, he had played with him in, in New York last year, but Cooper is, is, is on a heater too. So they're kind of meeting each other in terms of both playing at the top of their ability. And your point about the playoffs is exactly right. That is a had to have it down against the best cornerback. The Texans have You're one-on-one with, with pressure. It there's, as you said, there's one place that ball can be. And he's exactly where right. you could not walk it out there and hand it to him any better. And he did that what a half dozen times throughout the game. So yeah, you just can't say enough about these guys. And, and it, <laughs> You, I'll just keep saying it. You combine that with where the defense is. There's just not many teams. You watch, watch the rest of the league right now. There's not many teams that are marrying those two things up right now. Not, not even close. The Cowboys, Dak Prescott is playing really well, but their defense is not playing anywhere near the Browns defense right now. You talk about the Bills and what they're doing with Josh Allen. Their defense almost coughed up a game to Easton Stick last night. Like yep. the, the Browns are marrying these things at a level that most teams cannot right now. And that's just the truth.
3: Yeah, the messaging here that's important is that your Cleveland Browns can very much come out of the AFC. They can. They really can. Uh, I was looking real quick. The Browns give up 19 pressures according to the early stuff True Media has here. They generated, on the other side, they generated 13 pressures. So, um, you know, Charlie Heck is the, uh, the, the other tackle opposite Laramie Tunzel. He got beat eight times. Not very good. James Hudson got beat eight times. We'll dig into the data, but I just wanted to kind of look at how much pressure Flacco dealt with. And some of those are with DTR because the only sack of the game that was allowed was a, the, the late sack by Jerry Hughes when the game was right. pretty far decided at that point. But I thought they blocked relatively well for him on the, on the past game side, but he also danced away from some pressure again and made some throws to, to create, consi- like create another set of downs. And I would like them if they're not going to run the running back well, they need to get a little bit more creative with their running back route tree. That's something that I would like to see. Create more out-of-the-backfield Texas routes. Just various different things. To if you're Again, if you're not going to run it with those guys, let's make them a little bit more of a threat in the passing game. Yeah. The thing I want to close with, though, is the kicking stuff because now this is mm-hmm. a very real thing. Mm-hmm. The punter stuff, I mean, no offense to Corey Vahorquez, who's done a nice job. I, I'm less worried about finding a punter if he's going to miss time. Yeah, I'm happy but, to do it. The, the Hopkins thing is nerve-wracking, um, largely because sure. they said they're going sure. in on an MRI already on that. Mm-hmm. It's such a bummer because, like, you should just never let kickoffs you know, force him to run and sprint. And, mm-hmm. you know, when guys like that use their legs as often as they do to swing through, like, a golf club. You're putting even more stress on those tendons and joints and soft tissue stuff is gonna is going to flare up. So it wasn't unexpected that, oh, okay, he's hurt all of a sudden. But... The kicking stuff is dicey. A lot of kickers on IR across the league. There's only—I don't even know if there's any on practice squads right now because Mason Crosby was, but you know, old friend Cade York, who got called up, he hurts his quad in practice, so Crosby's up kicking for the Giants now. I don't know, Andrew. I mean, there's like calling Robbie Gould, like you mentioned. I would call him.
4: I don't yeah, know. That's the goal I'm many, making.
3: Yeah, I don't know. Literally, many...
4: I'm I'm googling for his number right now. I'm gonna try and call. him. <laughs> yeah it's no concern, it's it's a man. it's a no it's a real it's yes uh, you could yeah it's it is I'm trying not to let it ruin my <laughs> ruin my Christmas slash Browns buzz because you know it's it's just completely out of your control and it feels crazy that the kicker gets injured covering a kickoff return there, those barely happen in the NFL I mean returns not touchdowns just returns and somehow the Browns give up one there that ends up with the kicker having to leave for the game. I'm just choosing to believe that he's gonna be fine and uh just needs to ice it. He'll miss the Jets game, they'll sign somebody and then Hopkins will be back for for Cincy. That's that's where I'm at. And I'm just not gonna mentally I'm not gonna go there until the news changes.
3: Yeah, I I'm with you in terms of I don't mind him <laughs> sitting out a couple games.
4: Like Oh, for sure. Yeah. You sit out,
3: come back right. for the playoffs. That's that's where you're gonna be the guy that they need you to be. So hopefully we're not gonna dance into negative injury stuff until it's in front of us we got to see what happens with martin emerson we'll see what happens with any of the other things that popped up but uh, getting some decent news on emerson and and, uh, hopkins would be welcome pieces of uh information right so um listen there's not there's nothing to feel in my opinion other than elated about your browns being at 10 and 5 which is so impressive uh just like i consider you guys to be impressive for for the donations and stuff that you guys gave this podcast to myself and Andrew um, this past week. We really, really appreciate that, especially around the holiday season. And I do think it's going to make the podcast better turning into the new year. We still have to figure out exactly the pacing, the landing spot for the subscription based content that we have coming. You will be the first to know about that. When a decision is made, I will make sure to keep uh, maybe even dedicate an episode to it. So we're all on the same page, but it's very evident to us there are enough of you who care enough about this podcast to make that worth everybody's time to harbor that community that we really want to bring together in a very specific spot. So pretty pumped about that guys where things are going, the support that you guys provide us and that your Browns are 10 and 5 with a national spotlight game on Thursday to put themselves as a lock into the playoffs. A very very exciting to be time to be a Browns fan and it's an exciting time to have a podcast that covers them. And we're grateful that you guys make it a part of your day, week, month and year listening to all of these. So as this Christmas Eve show wraps up from the bottom of our heart, we appreciate your content desire to come in and listen to this stuff. Some of you sent some unbelievably nice messages Mm -hmm. you know telling me like you listen to this thing every day you hear my voice more than your friends like (laughs) that's that stuff is like you ask yourself at 2 a.m when you're editing or you know when i've still andrew and i are talking through midnight sometimes like why are we why are we doing this that's Mm why so so we we say thank you to you guys um and and obviously a happiest of christmas or, or whatever holiday it is that you celebrate this time of year. Uh, the holiday season is, is uh, enjoyable to you and your family and it treats you very well. So Andrew, I'll let you close us out, man, if you have anything you want to say as well, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up with
4: some go Browns. Yeah. You, you said it, Jake, it, it has truly been a great week for us. I think both personally and professionally in this way to feel appreciated. And, and I just, yeah, a, a very, very heartfelt thank you to everybody who reached out it does mean a ton to, to feel that appreciation. And I'll say that it, it absolutely makes it more motivating to get back on here and and talk about another Browns win. So I I can't wait to keep doing this. And I look forward to it every day to, to share it with all of you. So thank you so much to everybody. Merry Christmas, happy holidays to all of you. And I hope you all are well.
3: All right, guys, we'll catch you uh, tomorrow with fit check. And we'll catch you with some, all 22 maybe i don't know i i, I got to figure it out if andrew can join me on christmas day or i might try to figure out something too i don't know i i want to deliver some content i know it's it's uh christmas day i'll try to sneak away maybe during nap time around here I'll, I'll try to carve out 20 minutes to uh to give you guys some insights on the game because you know once you open the gifts and you have the food you got some downtime check out a podcast listen to how your browns won we're going to try to do that for you and then we have some stuff up on the obr might website well. so yeah make sure you guys uh check that stuff if you're if you're interested still victory Monday I know it's Christmas Monday but it's still a victory Monday get your priorities in line folks we'll be here to deliver it to you so thanks guys for stopping by and again Merry Christmas to everybody hope it's great enjoy your time with your family catch you soon go Browns